Clinical Disclaimer This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, you're visiting family, huh? How's it, how's it being a, a family therapist out visiting family? How's that dynamic work? Well, well, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really a family therapist. I'm a psychologist, so. I can't nuance. Listen, I don't. I mean, what do you talk to people that have family? <laughs> there, there are licensed marriage and family therapists. I can't pretend to be one of them. Those people uh, studied specifically in that area. So fine. And we're back, folks. It is great to be back, as always, seeing one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, the doc, the excellent one, the ball buster, Dr. Tara Jansen. <laughs> You're a bit of a ball buster. I mean, kind of, you bust my balls pretty hard. I mean, it's really kind of specifically you. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm just the lucky one. <laughs> yeah. You just bring, there's just something about you and your personality that brings that up in me, Jeremiah. I just, I don't know what to say. Thanks, Doc. I appreciate that. I have so few outlets. I have so few outlets, you know, <laughs> to do that. Well, so I'm glad I really that appreciate I can it. give that to you. Well, it's good to see you as always. I am hoping you are healthy and happy out there visiting family, which, by the way, when people say family and vacation, I'm never one that really combines those two. There's I'm visiting family, but I'm not on vacation. Don't get me wrong. I love my family. But visiting family for me is is, is a lot of work that comes with that. You know, a lot of effort (laughs) when I'm on vacation. I want to be like, I want to feel the breeze in my face. I want to be relaxing on a beach. I want to be doing something like that. And like, you know, helping my mom clean up dog shit in the backyard is not my idea of a vacation. I can do that at home. Anyway, good to see you. Good to be back. Uh, Again, a couple of announcements coming up. The Amy book is coming out at the end of October. So excited for that. So excited for you guys to hear the audiobook. We had a lot of fun putting that together. And of course, the uh, paperback version, Autumn, who's by the way, it was Autumn's birthday, my writing partner, who was, um, if you guys remember the first season, she was on to talk about the Amy book. Did you wish Autumn a happy birthday? I didn't. I didn't know it was Autumn's birthday. Well, you, uh, I mean, I will send the drop the ball. I'll send along a note for you. Okay, don't worry. I mean, we we already established that I'm bad at birthdays. I mean, we did an episode where it was your birthday and then you sneakily said it was your birthday to prove that I was an uncaring, you know, co-host. But as we've already established, it's only uncaring and ball busting because it's me. So I take it as you're probably better at it with others. But that's not the point. We have a new topic today. And uh, I think. Our next episode, everybody's going to be super excited, and of course, mostly the doc, because I think we're probably going to be having uh, 
our correspondent who goes nowhere, Greg, to come in and uh, review another yes. book. I mean, isn't that the plan? Yeah. I'm super excited. And he got, he's been like, so him and I were talking because he's my best friend, right? And he's going through this book and he's like, you know, I'm like a lot of pay. This book is a big book. And I was like, <laughs> it's a good thing you're part of this podcast because if the doc handed me a book that was like 900 pages or something like that, I'd, I would have just chuckled. I would have been like, you're out of your mind. You think I'm going to read this? I barely read the back flap. I mean, that's not surprising. I mean, the last car episode, you you didn't even look at the back and you brought the book in. Uh, I mean, you were... <laughs> details, details, details. <laughs> it's not my forte. Like you, I mean, we... you were literally the one that chose the book and you only looked at the front. Yeah, but that I just needed the title, okay? I wasn't really about the in-depth, yeah. like... It, this yeah. doesn't matter, okay? We're so gonna so to your point, today. to your point, yes, Greg is more dedicated. I hope he's enjoying the book, though. I don't know if he is or not. We'll Listen, see. I am a professional, so I have not asked him if he's enjoying it because I want to be surprised in the moment. Great. Okay? So should we get to our topic for the day? We should. Okay. Let's do that. All right. Should I stay or should I go? Finding your way out of relational purgatory. Ooh, just a happy, upbeat thing to be talking about today. <laughs> Thanks for that one. All right, Doc. Well, well, you know, last time we talked about, like, car sex and stuff, you know, I had to bring it. You know you know me. I had to bring it back down. Yeah. The one thing about you is you know how to bring it back down. So. <laughs> <laughs> but all my friends say. <laughs> no, Tara, look, the, look, look, this is a good topic. The joy to kill. Yeah, it's the joy killer. Okay. No, but really. This is a good topic to talk about because one thing I can honestly tell you in not being a therapist, but being on my way to being a licensed uh, personal uh, helper to people. Uh, I love that. That's not even a real thing, but please continue. Okay. The point. <laughs> <laughs> a licensed personal helper. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, Super like official. somebody's guru. Anyway, it's not about me. Point is that I'm trying to explain is that this is something that I hear a ton about I have personal experience in uh, and uh, I'm interested to kind of see your thoughts on it, obviously, because you're the doc. But, you know, a lot of people that I know across gender, you know, struggle some like to be like to when is a good time? When do I know I should leave? When should I not be in a relationship with this person anymore? You know, and I'm always just like, you know, I, it's hard because, okay, let me give you an example. Okay, I'm not going to, I won't go on, all right? I was in a relationship, we've talked about Voldemort before. Greg doesn't like me to say her name um, because we've been friends for so long. And it was a really hard time for me. I was with somebody. She was very uh, abusive. And uh, we were together for almost two years. And in that time, now people who know me before that doc, and I think I said this before on the podcast, people who know me afterwards are like, you were that guy? Like, you were that? You let somebody treat you like that? You? And I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I was in it. Like, I was so deeply wrapped up in this relationship, even though it was extremely unhealthy. And part of me was consciously aware that it was unhealthy, right? And that this person was not good for me. And uh, it wasn't me that ended up ending the relationship. There was literally an intervention because I was never going to do it. And it was very dramatic. And, you know, she would, you know, be horrible to me and call me names and all this other thing. But I was like, oh, I'm so in love. 
And there was this whole thing, like many times I thought, should I stay? Should I leave? But I love her and yada, yada, yada. And I'm very lucky because I know earlier we were talking about family. So I'm going to bring it full circle. And it was my family, actually, that intervened for me, you know. Mm. And uh, I had moved home. Short version of the story was I had moved home. She was away performing in a show. And I, she had bought me a ticket. I was going to go visit her where she lived again because she was just getting back. And I remember I was packing my bags and my mother came into the room and she said, you know, what, what are you doing? And I said, you know what I'm doing? I'm packing. You're going to take me to see, you know, Voldemort and uh, I'm going to we're going to figure this out and be back together because it was one of those things. It was just so toxic. It was, you know. She would love me one minute and be horrible mm-hmm. to me the next, you know, and then literally as I'm putting my stuff in my bag, my mother said, no, I, I don't think we're going to take you to the airport. And I was like, what? Yes, you are. And she was like, no, I, I don't think so. And I was, then I started getting shitty. And I'm like, you will, you, I'm gonna, I'll get a cab. You know, I'm going, we're in love. And my mom, I got to give her credit, man. It was one of those really awesome moments in life with family where like, you know, she didn't blink. She just was like, no, you're not going. And then my dad came in. And he saw that I was getting a little shitty and he went, sit down. And I was like, oh, you know, 24 years old, full of piss and vinegar. And I sit down and he's like, look, you're not you anymore. Okay. You're unhappy all the time. All you do is kind of wait for her to call you. And when she does, it depends on how she's treating you that day, whether you're going to be feeling good and feeling bad. And that's, this is not who you are. And it's not okay to be with somebody who treats you like this. So we're not taking you to the airport. And I'll never forget, man, it was back in the days of cordless phones, you know, just gave you the cordless landline phone. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're going to call her up and you're going to tell her you're not coming. And it doesn't matter what she says or how much she screams and yells or how nasty she gets. You just keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. And it was one of those moments. I knew he was right. He was right. And I called her up and I said exactly that. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. And she, of course, said, what? What do you mean? And then I said, I'm not coming. And she said, this is just like you and you're a loser. And I started screaming at me and and I started to cry because, you know, I loved her. You Mm -hmm. know, know, so wrapped up in it all. And then my my, never forget, man, my mom and dad were sitting on either side of me on the side of the bed. And my dad just took the cordless phone and she was yelling and screaming. And he click. Turned it off. <laughs> Way to go, Dad. Way to go, Dad, right? But it was a really beautiful moment. And and uh, because I really was, I don't know that I would have left. I don't know how long it would have taken me to go. You know, I don't know if I ever would have gone. Like if I didn't have that really wonderful support system with them and, and uh, you know, and other people knew it. I mean, I had had, you know, Greg had known me all those years. And even he was like, you got to get out of this. She's just rotten and treats you so badly. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know the real her. Anyway. The point is (laughs) that that's a real thing. And a lot of people struggle with this. So I'm really interested to hear, you know, your thoughts on this, because, you know, I didn't have a doc back then to be like, listen, because now I got, you know, Sandy. So I can go to Sandy and be like, Sandy, not that I I mean, I'm the happiest guy alive with my wife. But, you know, uh, and she is the greatest person in the world and is my person. But I still go. I have somebody like that I could go talk to nowadays as a professional is what I mean by that. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Late on us, Doc. 
Should we stay? Yeah. Should we go? What do you think of my example? Is it in the realm of what we're talking about here? Well, yeah, it, it, it in certain ways, yes. I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Like what, what you bring up is there's all sorts of reasons that people can get stuck in what I would call like relational purgatory, right? Where you, you just, you know, for whatever reason, you're just feeling really stuck and you're starting to feel really confused about whether or not it is or isn't a relationship for you, right? And like you brought up a very kind of specific type of thing, right? Where something's starting to feel really toxic or abusive in some kind of way and somebody starts to maybe get lost and sort of that abuse cycle in certain ways like that but but today honestly there's there's another type of kind of relational purgatory people can get stuck in when it's really more an issue of just like growing incompatibility oh right yeah of course right just growing incompatibility and so that's actually probably and but you do bring up another before we go any further okay i thought this was going to be like you know a bit heavier. So here I bring this really personal, heavy story. And you're like, yeah, that's not really what we're talking about today. It's a bit lighter. So I can't, I can't keep up. I can't keep uh, up. Okay. Well, but, but, but no, it is a good example of like another way. I mean, mostly just the episode's not long enough to oh, talk about all those. Right. But we probably should do a future episode about like, you know, ways to maybe get help, get support. Right. When you feel like you're stuck in kind of a toxic situation, but today it would probably actually be more when it's less um, clear, maybe even to others, right? Where it really is more just like you're just starting to have some growing incompatibilities with somebody that are becoming more and more difficult. And it's hard to start to ascertain um, if something's a good fit for you or not. You know, I usually like life. to use, I can fix this right now because I like to use this ad analogy, okay? Somebody used it for me a long time ago. They said, you know, man. If you- One second. One second. I need... I need you to know that whenever you say the phrase, I can fix this right now, I like literally have like a wave of nausea right before. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a trigger phrase now for me. So let's just please continue. (laughs) Well, you know, it's just something you keep in the back of your mind, folks. This is from your old pal, Jeremiah James. Okay. And somebody said this to me once and it was very profound. It's like, hey, man, just because you like bought a shirt 10 years ago and it fit you so good. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that shirt fits you as good now. And you might need to get rid of that shirt. And if you do, that's okay. Boom. Mic drop. You're welcome, everybody out there listening to the University of Pleasure. Growing, growing. Shirt doesn't fit anymore. Boom. Get rid of the shirt. Moving on. What do you think of that? I mean, a, a useful analogy, but maybe not quite fixing it, mostly because, you know, maybe a little more complex mm, for some folks. Okay, but continue. <laughs> it's, a good, it's, a good, it's a good analogy, right? It's a good uh, sort of philosophical way to think about it, for sure. Well, I'm nothing I mean, if not philosophical. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know where to go with that, but yes. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> the deep, I... I, I I think about how often you're sitting at home reading, you know, some Nietzsche and some Plato and Socrates. Exactly. I just, I, it's deep dive for me. I mean, I listen to audiobook <laughs> versions of it, so it's okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We'll talk about that in another episode. We'll talk about more about how philosophical I am. So let's talk more about, you know, say people are growing apart, even though I just fixed it for everyone. People are growing apart. What do you do? Other than obviously, we always know, like, find some professional help. But let's get some thoughts here. 
Right. Well, um, you know, I think that part of the reason that I want to talk about this is it is a really common issue, right? Like, and, you know, you brought up a different sort of example of it, but, but honestly, you know, and a lot of times those things to like outsiders become more clear, but like, you know, I do a lot of couples work and, you know, just like I also live in the world, right. Where, you know, it, especially as people have long-term relationships, marriages, things like that, like, you know, people can, really have a lot of sort of connection and compatibility in the beginning of a relationship, but like obviously people change and people evolve. And I think what starts to become really hard in a long-term relationship when people start noticing that they're evolving in very different ways is kind of figuring out how to decide like how much incompatibility is too much. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's and it's a really tricky thing because it's easier to know when to end something when it or or to continue if something's all shitty or all good. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that's just much more consistent. If something's just like total shit all the time, somebody's easier or at least maybe even like in sort of actually scenario you brought up, at least even outsiders can go, this looks not good. Right. right, Like where, where it's easier maybe for other people to kind of swoop in with support and kind of help somebody go, Hey, you know, if, if it's more clear to outsiders and to be fair in abusive situations, sometimes it's not, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, but a lot of times, you know, these kind of incompatibilities in long-term relationships like grow really gradually over time. Right. Yep. And it's really hard because there's often a lot of stuff in the relationship that's still going really well. Yeah. Well, listen, I got another example for you. My my ex-wife and I, now she's still one of my best friends to this day, and I love her and would jump in front of a truck for her. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. And we were better friends really in the end than we were a compatible married couple, if that makes any sense. But man, it was hard to get there for both of us, you know, because there was a lot of things as, you know, our marriage progressed and all these different things. There was never anything that was mean or nasty. She's an incredibly kind and giving and wonderful person. But her and I very much like you were talking about, like, you know, we're growing in different ways, right, in different directions. And that wasn't necessarily together. And it was torture because like you were just saying, you know, a lot of it wasn't bad. You know, it, there was a lot of it that was still really amazing because she's such an amazing person. And we get along so well on so many levels and like so many things that together, you know. And that's why I'm so grateful that we're still friends. and I get to tell her I love her and back and forth and, and support each other on so many things. And in fact, she is the voice of Amy book that's coming out. There you go. I mean, right. I directed her in, which was a blast. Point is, though, it was really hard to come to the conclusion that, you know, this wasn't toxic in any way, like the other example I was using, but that was like, you know, there are too many things that we've kind of grown apart that we that weren't really there in the beginning, if that makes any sense, Doc, right? Mm-hmm. And it was really, really heart-wrenching because, you know, I loved her, she loved me, you know, but uh, it wasn't, uh, it was it, the fit, you know, something that seemed to fit so well back then didn't fit so well that after a while right? right so am i making that is that a better analogy? yeah no that's a that's a really good example right and that's very similar to what i'm talking about and i and i think that like you're giving us and you know i'm sure it was maybe different when you were married but like a lot of times too like you know culturally and you know not 
you know, completely, but there, there is a lot of messaging around, like, you know, we make it hard (laughs) because we, we give people this sense that, you know, relationships ending means that there was a failure of some sort. Oh oh my God, a hundred percent. That was the biggest thing I felt doc, like both of us. When we talked finally, when we were sitting down and we were saying our goodbyes from that part of our relationship, very emotional time, you know, but you know, one of our big things was we felt like we were letting everybody down. We were letting down mm-hmm. family. We we're letting down, you know, friends that came and spent all the money to fly out there a decade earlier you know, to be at a wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, should I reimburse them? You know, like these are yeah. these are legit feelings, though, that we had. So, right. Yeah. And it, and, and, and I think that like, especially the longer people are together, the more kind of pressure it feels like that if something, that if it ends and it's like, wow, we really failed at this. Right. And, or, and sometimes not we, but like, we, we also kind of, you know, it's a little unspoken, but in certain ways, right. We, and I know we've talked about this on previous podcasts, right? Like there's this sort of like, well, whose fault was it? Right. right. This idea. I mean, we spent a, we, we talked in a previous episode about that right? Where there is a sense of like, who, whose fault is this? And I I do a lot of couples work, right? And you know, it's really interesting. I see so many couples, so many couples where I got two really just fucking stellar people sitting in front of me. And, you know, the, the dynamic, right, is like both people being like, this is your fault. This is your fault, right? And I'm sitting there going, this is no one's fault. This is just a lot of unfortunate incompatibilities that have kind of emerged over time. Absolutely. And, you know, part of part of the work that I do with people is to help them kind of maybe come to understand that. And don't get me wrong. There are certainly circumstances in which one behaving person is behaving quite poorly oh, or well, both yeah, people are behaving course, quite poorly. But, but because of some of that messaging, I think around like this needs to be somebody's fault, right? Like it is very hard when you're in a relationship where maybe you're not getting what you need or you're not connecting in the way that you want to be connecting to like not start to get really resentful and not start to get really bitter and then start to kind of invest in that belief of like, well, I don't feel good. So it must mean the other person is doing something bad to me or doing something wrong. Sure. Right. And it takes a lot of like practice and wherewithal to be like, maybe, maybe this is about, that we're different and we've grown to be much more different than we expected. Right. Listen, and 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 I tell you, and that is exactly what it was for us. And and I, and I say this so 100% honestly, you know, we're so grateful because we came to that conclusion that, you know, Hey, this is nobody's fault and neither of us are bad or wrong. It's just, there were incompatibilities and things as a married couple didn't work. And I'm, and and again, you know, I'm so grateful to be able to talk to someone like the doc here to be like kind of validate that point, like because it really isn't anybody's fault in moments like those. And, uh, you know, I tell you, doc, it's so cool that you can sit down and be like, I see two stellar people and, it, you know, it's nobody's fault. You know, right. that's great. What a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes I'm not going to lie. I might say that in a session, but it might or something of that nature. And it might be hard to get both people on board with me. (laughs) So I can only imagine. Right. Just because of like the way that we talk about relationships in these really black and white terms. Mm -hmm. And because it's like, we just don't help. Like, you know, like in school, we didn't get this class, like relationship skills, 101, communication, 101, empathy, 101, 102, 
but there should be like a class on that every semester, right? Like, and so I think that it starts to become really easy for resentments and things to build over time around like, you know, like I, I, like you aren't who you said you are, right? Like where people start to feel really angry, like, hey, when we first met, this is who you are. Like you lied to me. And it's often like, nah, I think y'all just changed and people change and they continue to change. And that's really normal in human nature because life changes and we change along with it. But people can start to feel really pretty upset and pretty angry about it. Yep. And, and you know, that obviously starts to interfere too. If we start to talk about like what interferes with people's decision-making, right? Yep. Why does any of this stuff about matter? Well, because if people are like, well, it's so-and-so's fault, but really maybe it's an issue of some core incompatibilities. What that does is oftentimes it will keep somebody stuck because then they're like, well, if they would just change, then everything would be good. Right, right. Right? They're at fault. They're doing something wrong. And that's they just, would just you know change. What? And that's the thing, you know, and I can honestly admit for me, that was, you know, back in, with with my ex-wife. I had thoughts like those. Like, this is not, you know... Uh, why can't it just, why can't this person make these changes? Why can't you just, you know, adapt and, and, you know, like, and, and hearing you just say it out loud is really, is really great because it's so true. Like it's nobody's fault, you know, and, and, you know, making somebody say, uh, you know, they have to change or, you know, you know, I, I, I carry a lot of guilt about that kind of stuff, doc. And I yeah. think I can, I yeah. can imagine that a lot of other people do too. Would I be right about that? Yeah, I think in hindsight, maybe after relationships end, sometimes some people can look back and reflect and be like, you know, I just think we grew into different people. Or sometimes people are like, nah, they're still the worst. They're, right? I hate like, them. I, they're pieces right? of trash. And that's not to say, and that's not to say that in incompatibility, people can't still do crappy things or hurt each other. Or you know, we're human, yeah. right? And oh, things course. happen, and sometimes we're not always our best selves. But I do think that, like, part of like you know, we talk about this idea of like relational purgatory and making decisions. Like if somebody's really focused on like, no, this other person needs to change. Sometimes that keeps people like miserable for longer. And they're like, they're waiting around for changes that they think they are owed. Right. Right. Or they're waiting around for changes that may never happen because they're so convinced that like, no, this is about that other person. And they're maybe missing out on that. Like, nah, I think there's a lot of complicated dynamics happening at one time to create kind of a perfect storm of dissatisfaction, usually for both people. More often, every once in a while, there's one person that's blissfully happening, the other person's not, but that's not typical, right? (laughs) Usually, (laughs) usually most people have a sense that things aren't going well. And, and so like trying to like start to think about this idea of compatibility in relationships, I think is really important, but something that's always really notable to me is like when I ask couples that are maybe struggling and I start to bring up issues of compatibility, people get really scared, right? When you actually, it's really easy to talk about how angry you are, right? You've got a lot, a lot of, a lot of, of, you know, when you're, when you're pent up and mad like that, that, that fuels a fire. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, protection and anger. Right. Like angry. Most people, not maybe not everyone, but a lot of people can access anger and talk about anger more easily than they can talk about fear. Right. And when we think about like, why do people start to get nervous when I bring up issues of compatibility is because 
all right, now I'm trying to get you to step away from your anger and I'm trying to get you to think about compatibility. Those are scary questions for people yeah, to actually sure. start asking. Sure. And you right? know, I'm so glad that I have evolved to such a degree that I'm such <laughs> an evolved person because I can be, you know, fire and get me all fired up. Yeah. But I can still talk about my feelings too, Doc. And I can, I can, I can talk about things like, you know, possible incompatibility. I mean, aren't you, aren't you proud to know me? I, I, I'm just, you know what I mean? Every, every day is a gift, Jeremiah. Every That's, day is a gift. I listen, I see me every day. I feel you. I feel you. I think before we, you know, I think we should take a break here. And I think then when we're going to come back, we should talk more about maybe possibly how do you identify, you know, these things like, you know, you know, other than, of course, going to talk to someone like you, but, you know, how do we identify yeah. that maybe, you know, this is something that you need to be in or out of, right? Gives people some tools, some tricks of the trade. What do you say? Yep. Sounds good. All right. So we'll be right back. And we're back. And we're talking about, you know, compatibility and relationships. The topic, of course, was should I stay or should I go? Finding your way out of relational purgatory. How did you like that I sang in the beginning? I did it twice and you didn't comment or react. And I'm not saying I'm fishing that I need you to tell me that I'm great. But I thought that was a pretty great like little add-in. It was stupendous. I didn't feel that was genuine. Anyway, maybe we're growing apart. <laughs> as, maybe as maybe most, we have incompatibilities most... now. Maybe that's what the, you know. I think I think most compliments that are fished for are probably going to feel a little less genuine, if we're being honest, Jeremiah. <laughs> okay, fine. So, okay. I'm, I'm actually excited because I want to know, like, should I stay or should I go? Like, wh- how do we know? How do we know this, Doc? Can we talk yeah. about little tips of the trade and, that we're you know, saying like, the break look, I'm not, I'm not like a wizard. I, I certainly can't be like, here's exactly how you should know. But I think that I, I'd, I'd like to talk about a few things to start reflecting on and thinking about, right? And because that is really, you just kind of got to sort through the mess in, in one's head, which we all have, right? We right. just kind of got to start sorting through those messes and start pulling some things out and actually looking at them. And that is a scary thing to do. But, you know, I... I think a lot of times with issues around like compatibility and things like that, you know, it is, like I said, much easier to make choices and decisions when things are consistent. And it's much harder when things are inconsistent, right? Like, I think sometimes we have a really, and I think this is very universal for a lot of us, that we have a really hard time um, investing, like we invest in the potential of something rather than what that something is, right? Like, so, like, so there, we might, every once in a while get little snippets or pieces of what it is we're looking for. And then it's kind of like, aha, see, you can do it. I know you can do it. Right. Brutal. Right. And so what happens then is that, that, that potential, because that's what we want to see and that's what we want to experience that it biases us. Right. Like it creates a bias where it's like, all right, well, I know that that can happen. Right. So I need to stick around so that can keep, you know, like, obviously that that's there, that's real. And the issue is, though, sometimes that turns a little sour because somebody starts to feel a little bitter about it, where they're like, well, I know you can do it because I've seen you do it before and you not doing it more consistently is just you withholding. Oh, right? man. I mean, literally, Doc. Oh, man, this is harsh. This is this one's this is this is hitting hitting close to home. 
This yeah. Is, ooh. <laughs> ooh, I'm taking a breath. Uh, very honestly. Uh, yeah. Like literally, you're saying things that probably I that I know came out of my mouth. Uh, you know, eight years ago, ten years ago, in a past relationship or whatnot, and uh, it, it breaks my heart to to think that I said those things. I I didn't know. I didn't know. But mm-hmm. it, it, it does break my heart in retrospect because it's, you know, you know, it, it sucks. It sucks. Anyway, you're right. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm just- <laughs> well, but I appreciate that. I appreciate you being honest about it because these these problems like struggling with this doesn't make someone a bad person. It just means you're human. And like these are the biases we have. Right. Like it's kind of how our minds tend to work off. And that's why we're talking about it. So you can be more aware of it because we all have bi- like you can't. A bias means you're unaware, right? Like, why the hell are we talking about it? Well, to make you aware so you can do something, right? right, <laughs> right? right like, right. that's sort of the whole point oh. of the entire dialogue. But it, it is really tricky, you know, and, and but the reality is, is like, we sometimes invest in potential, but what we crave is consistency. Yes. And so it starts to create this dissonance, right? It creates this, like, distress, because it's like, I know that this can happen sometimes, but what I really need is it for to be happening really consistently and I'm not getting that. And what I would say is sometimes it's really hard because someone is like, is able to do something every once in a while, but they really aren't able to do it to the degree and the consistency and like a the sustainable level that you want them to be able to do it. Correct. Right. And, right. And it's and like I, me and with my, my office. Like I, I, cl- I, I clean it really hard. And then, you know, my wife's like, that's great. And then I trash it like a rock star for five days and then I clean it again. <laughs> it's really hard for me to keep a consistent doc. It's hard. I don't know yeah. that I can do it. Yeah. Well, and, and it is, you know, consistency, like being able to do something once is very different than being able to do something all the time. It just takes, it's different psychology. It's different level of like intentionality and motivation, right? Like, you know, a lot of times when people are in relational issues, motivation is much more effective when it's intrinsic, right? Mm -hmm. You're doing it because you have an intrinsic motivation. Like there's a reason for you that you're doing it. And that's not selfish. That's just humanity, right? You feel internally motivated to do this thing. And a lot of times in relationships, you know, we all give to degrees because, you know, we got to compromise and you got to do things sometimes that you don't want to do. But like when someone's asking you repetitively to stretch much further than you actually feel motivated to do, that starts to become sort of a recipe for unsustainability, right? Because you just, if you just keep giving in a direction that you're really not wanting to give, or you really don't feel motivated to give, eventually you're going to run out of gas. Yep. And 100%. right. It, that's just what's going to happen. Um, so I, I do think just to shift gears kind of to what you're talking about, Jeremiah, like why, like how to kind of do your best to start to find your way out of purgatory, if that's somewhere you might be, yeah. right? Like, right. so why is it, why is it so hard to end, right? Like, I think part of it is understanding why are you having such a hard time deciding whether you want to like commit to this or whether you want to walk away, right? Or like continue to work on it. I mean, <laughs> a lot of times, pe- like fear plays a really big role, right? Sure. So the devil you know is often better than the devil you don't. That's right. The fear of the unknown, right? the fear of what's going to happen later, the fear of, yeah, yeah. Right. So part of what often makes it really hard to make these choices is when people think about, well, what is it going to look like if I leave or if I end? 
their answer is, I don't know. And I don't know often scares the shit out of people. Right. And it, and it can have a really, really paralyzing effect. And the other thing is, is if somebody's really starting to think about leaving, they also know on some level that ending is going to suck. Right. Right. Like it's going to be painful and heartbreaking and it's going to be really, really hard. Breakups suck and everybody knows it. And most people don't feel highly motivated to, you know, like get punched in the face. Right. Like most people. That's a good analogy. Right. Like the motivation to do something, even if you know, logically, like, hey, like the acute pain of going through a breakup, it's probably better than the long term agony that I'm feeling in a relationship or I'm not getting what I need. Right. You can logically know that. But it is hard to be like, so let me go get punched in the face for a little bit. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like, right. Of course. I mean, I mean, you're so right on all of this. OK, because genuinely it's like. As you said, the devil you know is easier than the devil you don't, right? And then the idea of leaving is terrifying because, you know, what would happen if? The, all the what ifs then become like a tsunami of what ifs, which just turns into fear, right? So, you know, I totally get what you're saying here. Totally get what you're right. saying. All right. So give, yeah. us some, give us a couple more. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that fear is also part of that paralyzing effect, which then make people go, I don't want to make a choice because every choice I'm thinking about feels bad. Right, <laughs> like, right, and feels scary. The not knowing, or the this is going to be super painful, right? So people get stuck for a reason because it's legitimately not easy. So in terms of what to do, all right, like like I said, I'm not like some you know these are some things to try, right? Like everybody's different. What different people need to do are going to be different, but these well, are just, just things us, to yeah, think about. Yeah, yeah just some okay. things to think about. Some basics. Look, everybody okay. that listens so to the podcast I, knows be... that you're not giving them a personal, you know. Well, yeah, I know, but I just like here. to be. I just like to be clear. Um, so the first one I'm going to give is going to be <laughs> probably the hardest one. <laughs> um, this is this is very tricky, but I think. Interestingly, and even maybe a bit ironically, one of the first things that you might have to do is trying to step away from your anger and trying to see what it feels like to be kind to yourself and your partner. Wow. And that is, right, like that is, that, that's the hardest, of, of all the things I'm going to say, I think that's the hardest one, right? Because it's really hard to make decisions when you are embroiled in resentment and anger and you're angry all the time and you're resentful and just pissed, you're going to have a really hard time assessing what you actually want to do. And stepping back and trying to look at your partner and maybe even your situation, like with some maybe compassion and trying to have empathy for what's going on with the other person might actually help you start to make some decisions when you can step back and look at stuff because it might help you look at what's really going on Versus just being stuck in the feelings, right? Those sure. like kind of red hot feelings or the pain of the situation. Right. And so it sounds really cheesy and very like therapisty, but it's also the truth. The more you can like actually start to practice kindness around the situation, the easier it's going to be to start to assess what's happening. Okay. Um, so I also want to say this. You can be sad and angry and kind at the exact same time, right? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I totally agree with this statement, of course. I mean, I, I, you know, you're the doc, so obviously what you're saying is true. But, you know, it 
Yeah, I totally agree. Because listen, you can, you can be like, I'm really angry and I'm really hurt, but obviously I love you and I'm going to not, you know, and be kind and I'm going to step up. You know what I mean? Am I saying the kind of the right yeah. thing here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between like, I feel anger and I'm having resentment and I'm also trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. True. I'm trying, I'm trying to actually look at maybe what my role is in this or like, what maybe some of the things are in terms of what, uh, you know, maybe some of the commitments I made or who I was or what you expected that maybe hasn't been met for you as a partner. Do you know what I mean? Like sure, you're trying to start sure. to, to, to expand, expand your definition a bit of what might be going on. So the other piece, and this is also, you know, easier said than done, but part of it is working to get honest. And this is, this is a piece of what I'm talking about is starting to work to get honest with yourself. Right. And, and sometimes I give people an assignment, right. That I I actually, sometimes is helpful Um, because there's a lot of fears that people have about leaving or ending. And so what I'll ask people to do, and I, and I know that it's kind of takes some stretching of the mind, but is to like, think about the question this way. If I could guarantee that everyone would be okay, right? So no one would be mad. No one would be disappointed in me. What would I do? Ooh, Ooh that actually, right? yeah, that, that actually choked me up a little bit. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of times what's, what's getting in the way is that fear of people being upset or people being disappointed. And sometimes it's not even the partner, what you were talking about, like what were, what were with your, uh, with your past marriage, right? Like, mm-hmm. What would other people think? How would other people feel? Right. Like, would they still hate me? Would I still have? And and that that's noise. It's so much cognitive noise, and it makes it so hard to, to yeah. make some choices, right? Yeah. So one of the things that I want that I'll often have people do is ask them to like step back and be like, kind of play pretend for a little bit. Like, if I could guarantee that everyone else would be okay with my decision, what would I do? Why? Because that's probably what you want to do right? and probably what you need to do. Right. And that's a pure way to maybe look at it. And again, it's kind of that task requires pretend. So it's not totally possible, but it's a good way to start thinking about what you might actually want. For sure. For sure. Well done. Well done. I'm that, that <laughs> one. I'm taking that to the bank. Okay. Good. And, and good. What else you got? Um, You know, uh, the other thing is. A lot of times when people are trying to make decisions, they're really focused on what they aren't getting, right? Here's what's wrong with my relationship. And I'll often ask people, okay, I actually want you to sit down and I want you to try to identify what you are getting out of your relationship. And when you're done with that, then maybe start asking yourself, does this feel like enough for me? Right? Rather than coming at it from the angle of, here's what I'm not getting, right? Here's what I'm not getting. Because sometimes it's a really interesting exercise for people to be like, what am I getting from this? And really, and and, and doing, here's the thing, doing that honestly. Right, I've given that to some people where maybe it's been an assignment, but someone's come back in and been like, well, what I am getting is a ton of shit from my partner and what I am getting, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, (laughs) you kind of got to approach it. And this is for you privately, right? Like to privately sit down and to be like, for real, what do I get from this relationship? 
Like, what are the good things about it? What are the things that I appreciate? What are the needs that get met and the, the desires and wants that get met on a regular basis? And then when you look at all of that, you know, how does it feel versus being kind of um, hyper focused on what it is that you feel that you're not getting? Right. So that's another sort of, you know, quick thing. I mean, it might not be that quick, but something that um, that you can work on. The other stuff is really also trying to be mindful and aware of how much you are asking someone to give or change and thinking about, you know, to a certain degree, if you're really asking somebody to give or change a lot, that might blow up in your face later on. <laughs> I agree. Right. I, I wholeheartedly agree. You I mean people can I I personally believe you tell me what you think. I personally think people can change a little here or there. You know, like around uh, around the edges can make some pretty good significant changes in life, right? But like the core of who a lot of people are, that that you know, asking someone to be a whole different person, <laughs> you know, be my dream woman. I want you to be this way and do all of these things and act like this. That's not real, right? Am I wrong in this? Yeah, no, you're not, right? Like, I think that like, people can change a lot and people can change in real ways, but there are some things that are kind of like, you're just not going to stretch, you know, short of like a head injury. You're not going to, your personality is not going to change. Like, I've right. had, you know, it's come, this comes up around sex a lot because obviously like I'm seeing a lot of folks that maybe sexual incompatibilities are a really big um, part of what's going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's creating a lot of tension and a lot of problems. But, you know, where somebody might be like, I need you to sexually be someone that's curious and excited and wants to try a bunch of new stuff. And that person's like, well, I, I mean, I, I can try to be open to more stuff, right. but I'm just not, I'm not just naturally super curious to tell someone to like naturally be curious. Like you can't make someone just naturally be a more curious person. Right, 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 right. right. And, and sometimes people will be like, well, I need you to be curious. And the person might go, well, being open to it's not enough. No, I need you to be curious. So, you know what I mean? Starting yes. to think about like what you might be asking may not be possible for this person. And they're going to keep feeling like they're failing. That's going to demotivate them. And then they're going to stop trying more often than not. Right. Is what happens. Totally. Right. Because a totally. lot of it's, it's a setup for everybody involved. And so just being mindful of like, what am I asking my partner to change? And like, have I even actually checked in with them about whether or not they actually feel capable of that change? Right. Right. Like if I ever even asked them, like, do you feel able to do these things? And sometimes people will be like, yeah. And sometimes people will be like, no, and I don't know. And then you might have to have some difficult conversations, which frankly probably needs to happen well, in these kind of situations. Yeah, I would say definitely in these kind of situations, I wouldn't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is, and this comes up a lot in um, for me, just as, a, as someone that does a lot of couples therapy. I, I think maybe I've said it on a previous podcast. I don't know if I haven't haven't. But, um, it better is a relative term, right? There is all sorts of stuff that people can do to be better communicators or to be better, you know, um, behave better with each other. Like, so people can be in couples therapy can, and they can, people can come in and it's like, yeah, you know, definitely there's always ways to improve and do better. Right. right? But when I say better is a relative term, sometimes better still isn't enough for what you might want or what you might need. And so I think sometimes it's also painful, but important to be thoughtful about like, what does better actually mean? And 
you know, cause, cause I've had some, you know, folks that I've worked with over the years that have maybe been doing stuff. They've been trying really hard for a really, really long time sure. and things are absolutely better, but they may not still be good for what they need. Right. Or the right fit for what they need. And that's hard. That's gotta be really, really like torturous. Like, you know, like it's better. The person made the effort. I'm making the effort, right? And then it got better, but it's still not what you need. Like, oh, like, ooh, that's that's hard. That's got to be paralyzing in and of itself. Like, just you saying that makes me go like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, I mean, this stuff is real and it's very painful. And so these things, and bringing us up as a topic, because like, this is a, like, this is a hard place to get stuck, right? Yeah. And, you know, but that brings me to my next thing, like, and this is probably more about like if, you know, especially if maybe someone's reasons for staying or, or their fears about leaving or whatever it might be is about like um, either they themselves not being able to get over it or like or their partner not being able to get over that loss. Like trying to remember that people are resilient, right? I <laughs> like agree. people I I work in the business of change. I have pe- seen people do things like like I fully buy-in, right? Like I absolutely believe in people's capacity to be resilient because I have seen people get through some harrowing experiences and come out wiser, stronger, right? Like just do amazing things. And so people are resilient. They rebuild, right? Just because something falls, you know, just because something starts to fall apart or there's a lot of pain does not mean that people don't rebuild. And usually they rebuild to something stronger and have a better sense of who they are, what they want, what they need, right? Yeah, totally. So, I, listen, I totally agree with this because, you know, you always think that, like, it's going to be the end. You know, and we can say logically, like, I know I'll be okay. I know no matter what, I'll be okay. That doesn't negate how painful it would be in the process. But people really are more resilient sometimes than we give them credit for, I think. And, you know, genuinely, you must see that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. And, and so I only have two more here and then we can be done. Fair. Fair. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is sort of kind of one of my final bits here. You only have one life, right? You just get one. And if you're routinely living it for other people and what you think other people expect of you or want of you, it's probably not going to lead to very much life satisfaction for you. Sure. Because it, and it, and it rarely also goes well for a partner, right? When people are in situations that they really don't want to be in, it's miserable for everybody, right? It's not like this magnanimous thing where all of a sudden the partner's like, oh, thank you. You're here out of a sense of obligation. What a lovely experience for me, oh. <laughs> right? Oh, right? brutal. Like, right? Like that's not, it's not good for anybody. And, you know, I, I also like kind of think this idea around like even outside parties, not partners, but like, you know, you think maybe your parents or your siblings or family wants you to stay or do A, B, C, or D. They'll get over it. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> totally. They'll, yeah, get, over they'll it. get over it. They'll get over it. Why? Because we're all the hero of our own stories and everyone else has stuff going on in their lives. And there's going to be a new thing that's going to come up and other people might get upset about and obsess about. But over time, eventually most people, We'll get over it, especially people that are pretty close to you, right, right and support right. you. Those who love you are always going to love you. That I'm a firm believer in that. You know, when I when I when my ex wife and I were so worried about you know hurting so many people, it was so really 
if I just may say, it was really quite beautiful to those who said, it's okay. Like, don't worry about us. And and I actually believe it was my my mother that said in the end, you know, you both deserve to be happy. And if you're not happy here, you both deserve that chance to go find the happiness that you want. And that that really stuck with me, you know, because I was so worried I was going to hurt her. I was so worried my dad would be disappointed. You know what I mean? Like all these people, friends, mm-hmm. like I was saying before about coming to the wedding and all this stuff. And then somehow I was a failure. It's like, no, you know, we all, you're the hero of your own story. You know, you have that opportunity, like you said, to be happy. And if you're staying somewhere because of obligation, you know, that can't be happy for anybody involved. So, you right. know, those of you listening, I, I totally feel what the doc is saying here. It's a real thing. I've been there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those who love you are always going to love you. Right. Um, the just final. Well, I, I lied. I have one more. These Jeepers. are short. <laughs> I have two more. All right. This one's very self-explanatory. And you all knew I was going to say it. you need to get support. Right. Go like you need to, to get support. It's so hard to make difficult decisions and sort things out when you're isolated with it. Yep. Right. When you're and so whether that's a friend or family or like a therapist, you got to start getting some support and some help to help you start to maybe sort through some of that noise in your head. And so that and that's just, you know, something we'll always promote here. But the final thing, right, it's just more of a thing to, to leave folks with. Right. That bravery is what happens in the presence of fear, not in the absence of it, right? And we all have bravery within us. And sometimes these kind of things and finding our way out of these types of situations actually require a fair amount of bravery. There you go. I got to say, Doc, that was actually quite beautiful. And I know you've said that before, but I really do want to put that on a t-shirt because it's it's so true, man. It's, you know, it's, it takes a lot of bravery to make make big changes like those. There's a lot of fear involved, worrying about people and hurting people and all that stuff. But I tell you, in the end, no matter what, it will be okay. People are resilient. Those who love you will still love you. You wouldn't, you're not a bad person because you say, hey, you know, we tried, I put in the effort, they put in the effort, and then it still wasn't what I needed in the end. And, you know, hard, but you make a choice to keep moving forward and, and find somebody else or change your life or what have you. Doc, this was brilliant. I actually really loved it. I felt like I was in a therapy session. There were a couple of times I genuinely got choked up. I was like, thanks, Doc. Thanks for being there. (laughs) So I really appreciate it because it really is. It's a hard, hard thing. I've experienced it a couple of times. And again, you know, to all of those out there who are struggling, I really do hope you listen to the podcast. I hope you find some help and support. And, uh, you know, thank you, Doc, again, for everything you do for so many because you're a rock star. And, uh, so I think we should just say uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for that episode, Doc. Yeah. Well, and thank you, Jeremiah, for sharing some of your personal experiences. It's very helpful. You're welcome, even though the first one wasn't 100% correct, but I rebounded. Okay, I didn't But realize. you know what? That'll We won't do it the next one, but that's actually finding your way to maybe toxic situations and getting support. That's actually probably a, a, a good episode at some That was point. always my so. plan was that that should be in the next episode. So that, anyway, that you know, I don't want to brag. The point is, thank you for everything that you do. You're a rock star. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And uh, just be kind to one another. And uh, I'll talk to you later, Dak. Bye. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, 
Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.